church and all of our guests and friends online. It's so good to have you guys with us today. And uh, we pray that you and your families had a very happy Thanksgiving uh, this past week. Uh, I pray that the leftovers have been treating you very well, all right? And then you've been getting creative on what to do with all that leftover turkey. Uh, but today we're not talking about turkey. We're not talking about food. Today I'm, I'm really excited uh, just to really have the honor and privilege to share God's word with you and, and kind of wrap up this series that we've titled New Wine. The whole month of November we've dedicated to getting in with the Lord and studying this. And uh, if you're not familiar, what the heck, why are we talking about wine in church? Let's go to Luke chapter 5 just for a second to get our foundational scripture for this entire month. Luke 5 verses 37 and 38. Jesus is speaking and he says this, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and it will be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. Verse 38, but new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved, right? We've been taking a look and diving deeper this month at Jesus's teaching that seeing that the framework of the old cannot hold the birth of the new that God wants to do in our lives, right? Jesus said, old wineskins can't be used for new wine. And so many of us are in a place where like, Lord, do something fresh, do something new, move in an exciting, powerful new way in my life, move in our church as we're transitioning into a new season of ministry. And God says, that's awesome. And I have that for you, but I cannot pour that out or put that in an old wineskin, right? Jesus in, in Jesus's days, as we've studied in this series, wineskins were used. They were the containers that used to hold the wine. And after a wineskin had been used to help take new wine and make it fermented into old wine, you could not put new wine back into that old wineskin because it became stiff and hard and brittle and inflexible. The new wine and the gases from the new wine would burst that wineskin. And so you would ruin everything, both the wine and the wineskin. And we believe and we sense that God is doing something new in our midst. Amen? We believe that God is still alive. He's not a dead God. He's a live God. Amen? That God has good things planned for you and your family. God's got good things for your children. God's got good things for us as a church body and a gathering of believers. But we need to realize that, man, this new wine that he's wanting to pour out cannot be put back into old ways, old containers, right? Some of you guys are like, what does a wineskin look like? For me in my practical life, we've, we've went through a lot of these examples, but a, a wineskin could be a mind frame. It could be a perspective or a way of doing things. It, it could be a method, like how to do something, right? Or God moved in this way in the past. It could be a heart posture that we have. It, it could be an expectation or a way of doing things. It could even be a physical location, could be a wineskin. And as we started to talk about last week, we are wineskins, right? We are vessels for God's Holy Spirit to hold and contain and to flow through, right? And so the past three weeks, uh, Pastor Erica has really owned this series for most of the month. And man, she's done a phenomenal job just uh, helping us prepare for the new wine or the new thing that God wants to do in our lives or in our church. But in case you missed any of the weeks in the series, just a quick recap to kind of get us all up to speed on where we've been. Week one was wine and wineskins. And we really just leaned into, hey, what is this whole imagery between wine and wineskins? What is God wanting to do through us as a church? Week two was when the new isn't what you expected. And I don't know about you guys, that, that one has really been shaking me in a really good way. We looked at and we talked about how when Jesus came, 
He didn't come in the package that the Jews expected. They were looking for a political leader, right? Somebody to change the landscape of the political climate. But he came as a, a, a warrior king, right? He came as Messiah, right? He, uh, he came in a package that they didn't expect. And we talked about the dangers of political idolatry in, in the church that has seeped into the church and, and how our hope shouldn't be in Jesus and politics, but our message should be Jesus and purely Jesus. Amen? Not Jesus and a candidate, not Jesus and a political party, just Jesus is enough. Amen? And, and Jesus can get the job done. And so uh, if you did not catch week two of New Wine, I strongly recommend you go back. We, we have all of our messages up on podcast or on YouTube for video and Facebook. And so it was kind of a culture-setting message for how we as a church handle politics, all right? So if, you, if you're wondering about that or you're curious about that, really go back. Week three was pain and pressure. That was last week. We had a little pain and pressure, right? How the purpose of pain and pressure in our life is really important, right? Because new wine cannot be produced without pressure, right? If you're familiar with the wine process, the grapes are pressed and crushed, and sometimes that doesn't feel good in our lives. Sometimes we're like, no, I avoid pain and pressure at all costs. But sometimes God can allow it and use it in our lives to produce something new in our lives that will benefit us, that will bless others, and we cannot shy away from it. Uh, we need to lean into it, amen? And so that was last week. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties. And so that one, if you weren't at church, man, that's the importance of coming to church in person. Come on, somebody, amen? And all the people said... Amen. But hey, today as we wrap things up, I really believe that the Lord wants to, uh, no pun intended, pop the cork on um, this new wine that he wants to pour out in our lives and in the church. And so uh, the title of my message today, if you're taking notes or you like that, it's simply this, let it flow. So I'm going to turn to somebody next to you and say, let it flow. Let it flow. As we're, we're today, we're going to camp out in some passages of Scripture in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. But before we go to God's Word this morning, let's uh, pray together and just get our hearts and our minds ready to receive God's Word this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we just thank you for your presence here with us today. Holy Spirit, come and pour out your new wine in our lives. Show us what that looks like. Help us position ourselves to receive what you want to pour out in our lives. And may that new wine begin to flow in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, on our workplaces, in our community, across this great state and this great nation, Father, all over to the ends of the earth. Father, we thank you that you're doing something new. And Father God, you are pouring it out. May we have room to receive it today in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agreed said, amen. So like I said, we're going to hang out in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 for most of today. And uh, we're going to look at when God poured out his first poured out his Holy Spirit on believers on the day of Pentecost. And before I get into that, just why, why are we talking about the Holy Spirit today? Uh, because wine is a type, it's a, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. If we go through different scriptures, for time's sake, I'm not going to go there, but you can, you can know that when we're talking about new wine, oftentimes it's God's Spirit that's being poured out and referenced in that. Uh, but in case you're not familiar uh, with what's going on in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, just a quick kind of up-to-speed context of what's going on here. This is the book of Acts. This is like after the four Gospels, after Jesus is dead, 
He's buried. He rose again three days later. And for 40 days, Jesus walked on the earth after he rose from the dead, revealing himself, giving key instructions and commands and getting things set so that when he ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of Father, the church would be born and birth, right? So this is, this is happening right in this context here. So right after Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus finally ascends to heaven for good, he has a conversation with his key disciples and he gives them a command. Let's take a look at it. We're going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8 for us. Acts chapter 1, starting verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, a lot of us might be familiar with this passage of scripture. A lot of us are like, okay, what's going on here? Jesus tells his most closest followers, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't lay hands on any more sick people. Don't preach another sermon until you've been endued with power from on high, that you've received the Holy Spirit. Do you say, this is a really big deal. I'm about to pour out some new wine in your life. Wait for it. It's going to help you, and it's going to help others, right? He says, get ready. I'm about to pour out something new, something fresh in your life and it's going to help you be a better witness for me in every area of your life. This is a good thing that's about to happen. Jesus prefaces this. And now after this, we won't read every verse of Acts 1 until we get to Acts 2. After this, immediately after this, the disciples watch him. Jesus like shoots up into heaven. He ascends into heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's still there today, interceding for you and I, praying for us, right? And the disciples, they have a choice to make. But we see through Scripture, the believers return to Jerusalem, and they head to a place called the upper room and they begin to pray. And we get a little bit peek of this here in Acts chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Verse 15, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether the number of names were about 120. So we get some context here. 120 Believers, not just the 12 disciples, all right? 120, Jesus' mom's there. Jesus had brothers. We often don't hear about them. He had family, right? They're up there. Some key people are up in this upper room, and they're doing what God said to do. Go and wait till you get the Holy Spirit, right? And so they're praying. They, a couple things happen in the upper room, just for context. If you're like, well, what about that detail? They choose a new one of the 12 to replace Judas. As you guys know, Judas... Uh, betrayed Jesus. He actually took his own life. It was a really sad situation. And it was prophesied long ago that that would happen and that they would fill uh, that spot. And so they choose Matthias to fill in uh, one of those key 12 roles there in the apostles. And then something new gets poured out in Acts chapter 2. Let's go there real quick and look at the context. And then we're going to break it down and talk about it. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and when there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat on each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance 
whoa, what just happened here? Right? 120 believers are all together in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, and they are filled or they are baptized with the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence to pray or speak in an unknown tongue or unknown language to them. Hello, something was poured out in their lives. Amen? Something happened in that room, right? Some new wine got poured out in the believer's life. Someone say, let it flow. Let it flow. Now, side note, we are a spirit-filled church. And we believe in the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the ability to have a heavenly prayer language, to be able to speak or pray in an unknown tongue. As we see to be a power to be a better witness in the scriptures. We, we don't just have this because we feel good about that or we like that. We see that there's scriptural precedence for this in our lives as believers. But here's the deal. Whether you believe in any of that that we just read or not, let the, this not trip you up to receive what God wants to pour out in your life right now today and in this season. So many times these passages of scriptures divide us as believers and we just fight each other about that's not for today or that's only for pastors or that's whatever. Let's throw all that out of the window because I'm not even going there today. We're not even talking about praying in tongues or the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful illustration of how God pours out something fresh and new in our life. We've got a lot of principles that we can gain from this that will unify us no matter where we stand on the spectrum. Amen. We believe that we've got people of all walks, all denominations, all backgrounds that are alive. We like it that way, amen? We, we like the intentionality of that, but we're not going to go into any of that. We're going to look at the new wine. Now, side note, if you are curious about this stuff, if you have objections about this stuff, if you want to know more about being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues, I cannot emphasize enough, sign up for our GRIP 101 basics class this January. It's gonna be an online class and we go into depth in week three of our class, it's a four week class, uh, but actually it's gonna be all online so you can take it at your speed. It's only gonna be online this January. We're gonna try something new. We go into depth about this and what this means and how this actually practically outflows in our life. It's not spooky, kooky, or weird. And, and, and the Holy Spirit can be consumed in bite-sized bites. And you can have an understanding scripturally of what this all looks like and how this works, amen? Uh, so again, be on the lookout for that. We'll be announcing signups for that in December. But today, we're going to take a deeper look at these passages of scriptures and, and unify us as believers. Not divide us, but unify us, because I believe there's some stuff here that we can pull out that will help position all of us to receive the new wine that God wants to pour out in our lives. So for the remainder of our time together, I want to share with you four conditions for new wine to flow in our lives. Four conditions that I see through God's word, that we can see through God's word for new wine to flow in you and I's lives. You guys ready for it? No? Four, some of you guys are still like, he said tongues. Some of you and your spouse, you know what tongues is all about. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, like come on. Tongues is a language. Do not let it be a stumbling block. Amen. It's a language and it's supernatural. I think through God's word here in the next few minutes, you'll see that, hey, we're not even talking about this, but man, there's some principles here that can really help us out. Number one, number one condition that we see to have new wine flow in our life. Number one, obedience. Everybody say obedience. Acts chapter one, verse four, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. So Jesus gives the believers a command to stay in Jerusalem, right? And wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the new wine 
to be poured out. They had a choice. They had a choice before them, right? To either to be obedient and do what Jesus said to do or to go rogue and do their own thing. And let's be honest, it would probably be a lot easier to go do our own thing, right? I mean, they walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They'd seen the miracles. They'd even been sent out two by two and done them themselves. Jesus, that's great. We just saw you ascend to heaven. We're going to just start going preaching about you. You know, I, I, that sounds great. And I know you got this promise of the Father. You want us to get the Holy Spirit. But like, we're just going to start doing it. It would have probably been really easy to just have that mind frame, right? Just, I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to go help the cause, right? And Jesus says, wait, wait for the promise. Don't leave until you've been endued with power on high. Obedience is so here, right? It's so important because here's, here's what I've learned in my own life. Personally, maybe you guys have, have experienced this too, but disobedience is the quickest way to put a cork on the new wine that God wants to pour out in your life. Disobedience is the quickest way to cork up all that new wine that God wants to pour out in our life. He never wastes a drop. He never wastes an ounce. And he's looking for good stewards that he can pour out his spirit, his presence, his blessings, his joy, his everything that he comes with him. But when we're disobedient, we think we're, we actually put ourselves in the God seat in our own lives. Amen? Right? We're in the driver's seat. And no, I think I know better than you, Lord, how this is going to work. And we try to just muscle through it. Right? You've ever been there before? God, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make this happen quicker than I think you want it to happen. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do this ministry even though it might not be time yet. I'm just gonna go share Christ with that person but they're not ready to receive him yet. And I'm just gonna do my thing in the name of Jesus. Oh man, it's so good. But we can be disobedient and miss the new wine, that fresh flow that God wants to do in our lives. Erica talked about Moses in week one. You guys remember this, right? God spoke to Moses when he was leading his people out of Israel and they're in the desert. They're thirsty. They need some water. Right, and we saw in Exodus 17, God said to Moses, hit the rock and water will flow out of him. What does he do? He hits the rock and water literally flows out of a rock in the desert. Hello, pretty amazing. Then the second time he gets real comfortable in, in, in Numbers 20, God said to speak to the rock for water to flow and Moses what? He hit it twice actually. Disobedient, what was the result? Moses did not get to enter into the promised land. He did not get to go to the land flowing with wine and blessing and milk and honey. He didn't get to experience the fullness of the new wine that God actually had for him and all of his people because of why? Disobedience. This is huge, right? So obedience allows God's new wine to be able to flow in our lives, to be able to flow in our church. And uh, I love the scripture in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. Prophet Isaiah says, if you are willing and obedient... You shall eat the good of the land. This one always gets me because like a lot of times we're like willing. We're like, yes, let's go. Like, I want to eat the good of the land. Like, give me some of that good wine, right? And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. But it's willing and obedient. Dang it, there's an obedience part, right? It's like such a buzzkill, right? Like, my goodness, like, ugh obedience? Like just doing it what God wants me to do. Like, even if it's not fun, even if it's hard, like obedience can open up the door for God's blessing in our life. And so we see this all around, right? Those early believers, they made the right choice. They went to the upper room, they stayed in Jerusalem, right? And they waited for the Holy Spirit. And so what happened? Their obedience positioned them for the new wine that God had for their lives. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is even customizing today's message for you where you're at in your journey with him. I believe he's smart enough and cool enough to do that. And that's his job is to take God's word and, and, and make it manifest to you. 
but obedience in our own lives, in your own life, will position you for the new wine that God has for you. So the question is, what is God speaking to you right now in this season? What is God commanding you right now in this season? What is God trying to get your attention on this season? Do not ignore it. Do not wholly stiff arm it. Do not look the other way because obedience will position you for the new wine that God has for you. Maybe he's saying, stay put. Just stay put. And you're like, I want to go. And he's like, stay put. It'll make sense later. Maybe it's the opposite. Step out in faith and move to a new place. And it's uncomfortable and it's scary and it's not predictable. But he is calling you and he's telling you to do this. Obedience will position you for the new wine. Maybe there's a pattern or a habit of sin in our life. He's saying, you need to get rid of that. It's time to grow up and get over that stuff and move on to better stuff, right? And, and so we got to be obedient, whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives, because it will position us for that fresh flow and that new wine. Someone say, let it flow. So that's number one, obedience, one condition for wine to flow. Number two is expectation and faith. I'll say it two ways, expectation or faith. You can kind of use them interchangeably here for this one. After Jesus told the believers to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit, they went to the upper room and they prayed. They sought God, right? They, they pursued him. They had faith and they expected God to deliver on his promise, to be a man of his word, right? They had faith and there was an expect. I can't imagine the expectation in that upper room. The, the, oh man, what is it going to be like? What is it going to feel like? What is it going to sound like? What is the Holy Spirit? What is going to get poured out? There was faith and there was expectation for those that stayed. I'm curious if there was a lot more than 120 and they got weary and they're like, hey man, nothing's happening. I don't believe I'm out. Maybe, maybe we'll get that context in heaven. But the ones that stayed, there was a hunger and there was a pursuit and there was a faith in God that he would do what he said he would do. Amen. And so here's what I've learned from this example when it comes to new wine or the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. And it's this, you got to want new wine in your life. You got to want it. If you don't want it, guess what? God ain't going to pour it out. You got to have faith for it. You got to have an expectation for something fresh or something new in your life. An expectation and a faith is a prerequisite for new wine to flow in your life, right? God is a gentleman, and he will not pour wine out all over you if you do not want it, amen? He's not gonna force his will upon you. He's given us free choice. And so, like, I know this example is kind of weird because, like, like example, uh, go with me on this, all right? We'll see how this one goes, and you'll my test pile, and we may, we may can it for second service, all right? All right here's the go. God wants to pour you a glass of wine. Some of you got, some of the religious people already are uncomfortable. It's like, wait, all right? He wants to pour out some new, fresh wine in your life. But if you don't push an empty wine glass towards him and say, I expect it and I want it, he ain't gonna pour that bottle all over that table and make a mess in your life. He's not gonna do that because he's a perfect gentleman and he never wastes anything and he looks for willing vessels to fill. Some of us are like, yeah, I want new wine, but we're not pushing, we're not, we're not expecting, right? Like, that sounds good. God's saying, do you want it? Push out that glass and I will fill it till it overflows, right? If we, if we do not want new wine, you won't get any, and, and you can be comfortable in that, and, and there's no shame in the game. But if you're hungry for something fresh, if you're hungry for something more, 
If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you're sick and tired of the mediocre, if your life's been like, ah, whatever, maybe your life's been great, you're like, it couldn't possibly get any better. My God's like, I dare you to ask that question because watch what I can pour out in your life. If you're ready for more, then you gotta have faith and expectancy for it, amen? And so do you have faith and expectancy for God to do something fresh and new in your life? Or, or are you like a lot of us that we, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, you cling to the old glass, you cling to the old flavor, the old bouquet, and you, you only stick with your go-to. And God's like, I've got something fresh. I've got something new for you. But you're going to have to get rid of that old container, that old wineskin, and have some faith and expectancy. I'm going to pour out something new in your life. It takes trust. It takes faith. And for, for, for these disciples, they had no clue what it was going to look like. <laughs> they had no clue what it was going to look like. We're going to talk about that in a second. And so sometimes we need to let go of the old so that God can fill us with the new. You know, growing up in our household, we, we got three young kids. You know, the prophet Elsa said, let it go. And I like to add to that, uh, so it can flow. Let it go. Let go of the old wineskin so that the new can flow in your life. Someone say, let it flow. Amen. That's number two. Number three, you guys doing good? Number three we see here is the third condition for new wine to flow is number three, together. Everyone say together. Two scriptures for you. Acts chapter one, verse 14. And all these continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. So all together in one accord, right? Second, or Acts chapter two, verse one. On the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. All right, where are we going with these two verses? These verses aren't to give us the detail that the disciples drove a Honda because it had said they were all in one accord. That's a cheap pastor joke. Our drummer just had a baby. He's not here. Sorry, that was very anticlimactic, all right? It, it wasn't talking about their vehicle being in one accord and cramming into a little accord. No, it, it's talking about one accord. One accord in the Bible means one mind, one passion. One mind and one passion. It literally means that, right? It, it has this connotation and it conveys togetherness and unity. They were all together and they were all unified. It's a powerful condition we see all over the Bible when God moves, right? Here's what I've learned and here's what we can continue to learn in our journey with the Lord. God can do supernatural things when his people are together and his people are unified. God can do supernatural, abundant things in our life when his people stay together and they stay unified. We see it all over the Bible. When God's people were together and they were unified, he was able to split the Red Sea. He was able to split the Jordan River and people literally walked across bodies of water on dry ground. When his people were together and they marched around the walls of Jericho for one day each day and on the seventh day seven times and they all together shouted, the walls came down. When God's 120 believers were we're all together and in one accord in one place in the upper room. The Holy Spirit, the new wine of God was poured out in their life and it didn't just affect them. It turned the whole nation and region upside down with the power and the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we're together and when we're unified, God can pour out some fresh and new in our lives. And so what does that mean for us practically? Man, you've heard this a lot, but hey, the enemy's trying to sift and pick us off. He's trying to divide us and get us at each other. If he can't get you to renounce your faith and not be in heaven, he's just going to jack up your relationships with him in the church and make you just a mediocre, uh, offended, oh, bah humbug Christian. And he kind of wins 
even though you still get to spend eternity in heaven, he, he short circuits all the wine and the power of God in your life when you get in that place. So what, what's our deal? Don't unhook from the body of Christ. Don't unhook from gathering together. The strength, of power, there's safety in numbers. We learned this as kids in the school. There's safety in numbers. There's safety spiritually in numbers. Hebrews 10, 25, we talk about this often. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Stay hooked in. What's the other thing? Don't get offended. We had a whole series on offense a few weeks ago and it still rocked my world. The enemy would want nothing more than us to get offended at each other, offended at another believer, offended at the leadership, offended about that decision, offended about the divisive. Oh, why'd they do that? Why are they doing it this way? What's going on here? He just wants people to get offended because when you get offended or you pick up somebody else's offense, there's no new wine flowing in that situation. It's a bunch of the old, busted, disgusted, broke, and joke stuff that happens in your life. We want the new wine, amen? We don't want the stale stuff. And remember, when we're unified, that is a place where God can command his blessing. We talk about this often. Psalm 133, verses 1 and 3. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren, we're the brethren, the believers, to dwell together in unity. Verse 3, for there the Lord commanded his blessing. The Lord commands his blessing in a place of unity and togetherness. As we stay unified, as we lock arm in arms, as we get in community, my goodness, God can do something powerful. That might be look like, you know what, I've never been in a crew before. I need to get in tighter community, right? I need to lead a crew. I need to step up. I need to make church attendance and, and a pride of putting God first in my life more of a priority than it's been in my life because I need the supernatural power and the new wine of God flowing in my life. And I see from this example that when we're together, God can pour out something pretty amazing in our lives. Amen? And so... Let it flow, right? Last one, you guys ready for the last one? Number four, the fourth condition for new wine to flow in our lives is flexibility. Someone say, be flexible. We must be flexible because God's new wine often doesn't look like or feel like what we expected, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. Can we go back to these passages real quick? And just think about these things. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire that sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Someone say, hello. I'm sure... The disciples did not picture it that way. <laughs> Can you agree with me on that? Oh, we're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to get the Holy Spirit. It's going to be like, woo! I don't think any of them had a clue that the Holy Spirit would fill them and do it in that way. Right? Let's, let's put ourselves in their shoes, right? A loud sound, tongues of fire, being able to speak and pray in a language that I don't know. Hello, right? They couldn't be like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not receiving this new one. This is too weird. This is too crazy. This is spooky, kooky, and weird. This is like, whoa, I'm good. I'll just drink my old stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'll just be happy over here. Don't pour that out in my life. But they were flexible, right? Uh, Lord, isn't there an app that I can just download the Holy Spirit on my phone and be good? 
No. They remained flexible and, and the new wine was able to flow in their lives. What does this teach us? It means, hey, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the new wine looks like or feels like or tastes like, whether we like it or we don't like it or it's uncomfortable, whatever, we're going to have to roll with it if we want to receive God's new wine in our life. We have to remain flexible. That new wine skin that God wants to pour new wine in. Remember, it, it's able to flex. It's able to stretch. It's able to mold with the gases of that new wine as it ferments, right? And it's able to handle the change so that it can produce something of great value and of great uh, quality as it flexes and is flexible. God wants to do the same thing in our lives, right? Because here, we've been saying it all along here as we're about to transition into a new space here in, in three, four short months. Different isn't bad. Different is just different. Amen? But a lot of us think different is bad. Don't take away my comfort zone. Don't take, I, right? Even as we transition physically to a new wineskin into our new building in a few short weeks and months, your, your spot is going to change. Your parking spot is going to change. Some of your commutes to church are going to get longer. Some of you are going to get shorter. Oh, my goodness, this is different. God's not moving. God left the building. They changed. Whoa, okay, the room fits more people in it. And wow, I don't know where to check my kids in yet. And how does that work? And where's the coffee? Everybody's most important question. Where is the caffeine, right? Different isn't bad. Different is just different. We all need to be flexible because we're about to go through some stretching and some expanding and some growing. And I'm a 90s kid, and there's a thing called Flex Armstrong. And he was like this gooey gumby guy. And every boy that was my age would pull it so hard that it would break, and this black goo would come out. And we're like, oh, my gosh. But the dude's arms were like this when he bought it. And you could stretch it from that light pole to that light pole before it, like, broke. We're going to need to be like that spiritually. We need a little stretch Armstrong in our spiritual backbone, amen? Lord, it might look different. It might feel different, but that doesn't mean that you're not in it, and that doesn't mean that it's not your new wine that you're pouring out in my life, right? We're going to have to trust the Lord in all of this. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. For God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, or your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So as a church, as a people, remember church isn't a building, it isn't a service time. It's you, it's us, it's me. We are the church. We must stay flexible. We must stay moldable, pliable. We may not, and here's the deal, here's what we like to do. We like to put God in a box. God, this is what I know of you, this is what I'm comfortable of you, so you can only move in those ways. And if you try to get out and like slip a hand out there and freak me out, I'm, I'm just going to put you back down in your box. He's like, a mighty rushing wind, no. Tongues of fire, no. Speaking a language you don't know, no. Like, don't be so afraid. He'll never give you something that's going to hurt you. He's a good father. Let it, let it flow. Amen? How many people are here like today? Like, yeah, that's, that's weird, but let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. And however God wants to do that, right? May we not 
put God in a box and expect him only to move in a certain way. Amen? May we be open to God's new wine. So what have we learned today, even from this passage of scripture? We've learned, number one, we need to stay obedient as believers. What is God speaking to our heart? What does he challenge you? What has he commanded you? What's the last thing God told you to do? And have you done it? Because until you're obedient to that, the new, fresh, new wine in the next area of your life cannot outpour until we're just simply obedient. Number two, have expectation in faith. Who's with me? Who's hungry for some new, fresh move of the Spirit in our midst? Come on, somebody. Who's ready for that new wine in our lives? Who's ready for God to pour out something fresh and new, right? Number three, remain together. There ain't no lone rangers. I ain't going solo. Stick together. Be together, one accord, one place. Supernatural things can be poured out. And number four, be flexible. Stay flexible. And don't put God in a box of how he can move or can't move. Just be open to the fact that he is moving and he wants to continue to move. And it might be different or even weird at times, but he's God and we're not. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we just need to trust him. But here's the deal. God desires to pour out new wine in you and I's life. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to let it flow? I wanna end with this last encouragement here. And it's this, this is a bonus. God saves the best wine for last. I got so blessed by this this week as I was studying. It wasn't part of my four, I thought I was done. And he's like, Psst. you know what's really cool about me? I was like, what? <laughs> Again, he's not speaking in an audible voice. It's just in my spirit, in my heart. He's like, hey, I saved the best for last. It like popped out. I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, that's in your word. He's like, yeah, I want it. let's go there. Remember in John chapter two, where Jesus performs his first miracle at the wedding of Cana and he turns the water into wine and the master of the party gets up in John 2, 10. He says, and he said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus saved the best wine for last in the natural how many of you guys know that if he can do that in the natural, he's certainly doing that in the supernatural. Come on, somebody. And, and, he, and he tells us this right after we see in Acts chapter 2 as the 120 are filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's poured out and the new wine, Peter gets up and he's letting everybody know about this new wine. And we see it here in Acts chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. He talks about what was prophesied by the prophet Joel many years before this point. He goes in verse 15, Peter says, hey, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. Okay, it's only nine in the morning. They're not drunk like you think they're drunk, like the world drunk. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams on my men servants and on my maidservants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He said, in the last days, guys, I don't know if you've had your head up and been looking and aware, we are in the last days. Now, I don't think 
You know, we don't know the time of the season when Jesus is coming back, but we're in, like, everything that's been prophesied that would be happening before Jesus comes back, it's happening before our very eyes. We've done series on that and all that stuff this past summer. Erica did a great job on that. We're in these last days. So if we're in the last days, guess what? God's pouring out his spirit on everybody. This is for everybody. The new wine is for everybody. The new thing is for men and women, young and old. He's pouring it out, and he's saving the best wine for last because it's needed. Our world needs spirit-empowered believers that are a powerful witness for him, that are doing God's work in these last days and making it real hard for people to go to hell and way easier for them to go to heaven because Jesus is coming back soon and this isn't a game and he wants many more. He's patient, he's long-suffering, he's a good father. He's like, there's more, there's more, there's more that need to be at my table. And so our work is not finished yet. We're not rolling up and getting into a new building and renoing it, making it comfortable so it can be us four and no more. We're making more space for more people to experience Jesus for the first time, to get back on fire for God, to be filled with his power and his presence, and to get understanding of, man, what is my purpose and what is my role here on earth? If I'm still taking up space, if I'm still taking up oxygen, guess what? God has a plan and a purpose for you, amen? And so it's time to get busy, but we gotta let it flow in our lives. Here's what I believe. The best days, your best days as a Christian are still ahead of you, if you believe this. They're not behind you. Our best days as a church are still ahead of us, not behind us. Amen? And so today, we, we're, we're just going to respond. I want, I want to close in prayer. and we've, It's been a kind of a heavy series. Would you guys agree? But good? Heavy but good? Like, wow, okay, there's some new stuff that God wants to pour out of my life. And so I believe that we need to have some time to respond to that just for a few minutes. God's been doing so much this month. What does that new wine look like in our lives personally? What is God encouraging us, challenging us, pushing us gently in the right direction of? And what do we need to be obedient to? So I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna have the team lead us through that new wine song we've been singing all month. And then I'll be back up to close with prayer. And Eric will just have a few announcements. We'll be, we'll be out of here. But before we rush off to the next thing to do, let's go Take this moment and this opportunity to respond to the Lord, to let the Holy Spirit speak, to fill, to overflow, to do a new thing in our lives and trust that he's gonna produce some great fruit out of it. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we love you so much. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit's presence in our life. We thank you for the new wine that you have for us. Father, help us be obedient to the things you are speaking to us and challenging us. Lord, help us understand that we need faith and expectation for you to move. Lord, that you want to do a new thing. You want to pour out new wine. May we expect it and may we have faith for it. Help us in those areas. Lord, may we stay hooked in together and unified in one accord, in one place. And Father God, may we be flexible. May, you, may we be a wineskin that you can fill with your Holy Spirit that's flexible, it's new, and it can handle all the change and the winds of change that your Spirit will bring to our life and not burst or not be damaged, Father. We thank you for that. Reveal, Holy Spirit, now in these next few moments what that looks like for all of us. And may we respond in faith and obedience to you, Father. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.